This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He drew inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! We are Inside Black and Gold. Week 15, Saints, Giants. More blue coming to the dome. Steve (laughs) Geller here along with Jeff Nowak. And man, oh man, uh, a lot, you know, is being talked about, obviously, with this matchup. And uh, we'll get in with more of the G-Men, with our special guest uh, coming up in the next segment. But, Jeff, I, I don't know with this team anymore. I, I think that the uh, the line already is the Saints are plus six heading into this matchup. What does Vegas know that we don't? You mean minus six. Minus six. Yeah, sorry. They're I was about to say. Favorites, right. That would be crazy if they were six-point underdogs. <laughs> um, that would be saying a lot. But, no, I mean, I think that, that that's Vegas saying they don't believe in the Tommy DeVito story, right? Which, But the problem is – you saw a similar thing happen when the Saints win faced Joshua Dobbs. So that's what I'm worried about is it happens again. Um, hopefully, like, you know, the, the Dobbs start, the story are kind of went, you know, hit the pitfall now where hopefully the DeVito uh, story ends up taking the turn for the worse in New Orleans now. I don't know. The, the difference in this game compared to that game is you at least have several games that you can look at and scout yeah. a guy. Whereas I think that they were caught a little off guard by how they operated with Joshua Dobbs, right? Like, so, you know, hopefully that's the case. But yeah, we're going to get into, we're going to talk about the Giants. We're going to have Pat Trana come on. She's a host of Lockdown Giants. She's been covering the Giants forever. So she'll have some really great insight into what to expect. Also going to pick X factors like always. You're going to hear from Deuce McAllister. Also got some quotes from uh, Dennis Allen, Derek Carr, all the, all your favorite folks, right. To uh, kind of, well, <laughs> we're going to dive into that. Um, 
But the first thing I want to talk about is international games, baby. They're upping the total from four to eight, which is a lot. I mean, I think eventually you're going to get to the point where every team takes at least one international trip. I think that's the idea is you're you're ramping this up so that every team in the NFL has to take one. Just like everyone has to play on Thursday night football at least once and now right. twice. Um, <laughs> you can play twice. I think that's the idea is they're going to have an international slate where every team takes at least one international trip because that's really sure. the only way to make it fair. Um, and like you're, you're getting, I mean, you're already talking, talking Mexico, Brazil, Germany, London. And I guess my question for you, Steve, is if you had to take one of those trips, which one would you prefer? Who I was fortunate, you know, the last year I got to do sideline was a London trip. So that's easy to scratch that off the list. And I I guess Brazil be the most interesting, uh, to me with Germany right after it, but man, uh, get your passport ready, sir. You're going to be traveling soon. We're which one, which destination would you look most Louis looking forward to? I've never been to any of them. <laughs> right, I mean, exactly. Right? I, I'm not a big international travel guy. I've been to China, but I think you're going to see <laughs> oh, the awesome. NBA okay. in China before before the NFL in China. Brazil's interesting because you know, there's a lot of political unrest in Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of a strange, um, but I know obviously if it's, you know, who wouldn't want to go to Rio? Yeah, I was just uh, thinking more of the carnival aspect of it. Right, right. No, I, I think Brazil would be would be very interesting. Germany would also be, you know, one thing that I'm always impressed by when you when you watch these these games is like the fans. They're into yes. it. You know, they I the the Germany would be fun cuz you know, I the the it was 2 years ago. It wasn't this past season, but it was the last season, 2022. It was the Seahawks and Bucks in Germany. It wasn't even a great game. Like it kind of ended up being a a uh, you know a, a pull away win for the Bucks in the end, but like like a half hour after the game ended, they were doing the post game show, and there was like, the entire crowd was like still there screaming, "Take me home, country roads!" <laughs> and I was like, "What is happening?" Um, and it's just kind of fun. It's like there's that soccer, you know, the the the, yeah. the that's kind of the atmosphere you have. It's oh. funny you mentioned that the the London game they showed Jason Sudeikis was in the stands and the Ted entire Lasso. yeah the, yeah Ted Lasso exactly and the entire crowd starts singing Sweet Caroline so that was very cool yeah I know so it's it's fun and the, you know, the NFL makes a shitload of money on it so they're gonna keep doing it but yeah I think that's kind of where you're headed is that every year you're gonna have at least one international trip and I mean you're getting close to it now I mean you're talking eight games that is sixteen teams. Uh, with the exception of maybe the the Jaguars have multiple games, so like maybe fifteen teams. So that's a, you're already at the point where half the league is taking a, 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 at least one international trip. Um, so that's kind of uh, you know it's just something that's going to be like a fact of the season. We're gonna in a couple of years we're gonna be looking at it and saying, okay, how many primetime games do they have? You know, how many Monday night games? Right. What, and and how many times do they have to leave the country? Right. And which and how long is that trip? You know, what's the time difference? Do, do you feel at all that we might we could be? And I'm not saying I don't know. Maybe five to seven, ten years down the line, could there be a team NFL team based internationally? Well, that's kind of my point. Is I think you once you get to the point where every team takes at least one international trip, then it's easier to do because you've already had yeah. that baked into the schedule, and everyone already has that mechanic sorted out. And so it stops being a oh crap, we have to figure out how to go to Germany and all it the time change, a, right? Right. Because uh, every team already has like the the ability to do that. But I think you have to kind of get that into the just expected atmosphere of a season. And once you do that, then I think you can. Um, and you start talking about like, OK, they're going to have long road trips where, 
you know, they have four games here and then they go back. And so you, I think you're yeah. going to have like a sister city situation where you have a team in London, but then they also have a home base in a San Antonio, right? Where like they, it's like, okay, so you got four games stateside. So where do you go? You have to have a facility. I think that's where you're going to end up, what you're going to end up seeing, but it's interesting. It's very, they would be the first league to really do that. And so uh, once they do, then you're going to start seeing NBA follow suit and try to do weird stuff. Anyway, uh, where this yeah, isn't a for the NFL man, we've, we've kind of got off track, but it's just interesting, you know. And the Saints yeah. are probably going to have training camp in California, like that's going to be interesting. And it's just going to be, you know, you're going to have to figure out how to travel. Anyway, moving on, you know, I, I'm curious. So I talked about this on yesterday's pod, the pod that post, posted Thursday morning. Um, but I'm curious to hear your take. So the Saints, they control their own destiny, quote unquote, right? That they win their final four games during the playoffs. But I don't think there's a lot of belief out there that they can actually do it. And I'm, I, I know what I think, but I'm curious how you feel about it. Do you think that it's a pie in the sky thing? Do you feel confident that they can get it done? Where do you land on this like final four games? We're there. We're at the end of the season. This is the home stretch. Do you yeah. think they can get it done? I would say at this point, from what I've seen out of this team, I do not believe they can go on this four-game run. I would love it to happen. Obviously, it's still possible. Uh, the the opponents you have aren't that impressive world beaters, although, you know, the Giants are on a, their own little streak right now. You had the the Falcons take a little bit of a surge to take over the the, the South initially. Um, but the, the division – it's it's hard because there's still those two games too against you know division opponents. I just don't see him being I, I maybe three and one to close out the year, but I just don't see him being able to go a, a four and zero. And I don't think Dennis Allen team has ever gone four and zero. Well, one four straight, I should say. They haven't. <laughs> they haven't. That's they won three straight. So maybe, won. maybe he can change that too. And there's a first for everything. They've won three straight before, and I right. think I think I, that's kind of I think. I agree with where you're coming from there. I, I think that there's probably three and one in there in that team. I don't know if there's a four and zero in that team. <laughs> um, and so, but there is a chance you get to the playoffs going three and one, you'd have to make it at nine and eight, but then that's, right. that's always seems to be the, it's like, if you yeah. go to, if you get to 10 wins, it feels like you'll pretty much guarantee yourself a spot. And you could say this at the beginning of the season. You could say this at the end of the season. It always seems to be that way. Whereas if you're at nine and eight, then a lot of times it's going to depend on the tiebreakers and the saints due to no one's fault, but their own find themselves on the wrong side of a lot of these tiebreakers. So I I agree with you. I'm not, I wouldn't put any money on it, Um, but I am rooting for it because that would be cool. You know? Yes. I am not all about draft positioning right now. I don't want to talk about draft right now. I'm still definitely, I want to make the playoffs. Yeah. And then, and it's like, cause right. Because it's like, everyone's mad about one thing or another, but would you would, you're telling me that if they went five and O to close out this season and made the playoffs, people would be mad about it. See, that's crazy to me. Well, because um, that, yeah, the, the rationale is, Oh, that means DA staying and nothing's changing. That's exactly what it is. But, and I don't think, and, and to be fair, I understand it because I do think if they go five and O and make the playoffs, I think DA stays because you, you don't fire your head coach after a 10 win playoff season. You just Other don't changes could happen though. There, right. there I be... still think that you, that you uh, kind of reorder Same. the offensive staff and you do stuff like that. I think you find a new play caller, you, you adjust, but yeah, I mean, I think that is the, I understand why people would be like, damn it, because they desperately <laughs> want to see DA gone and fine. But at the same time, going into the season, I predicted 10 and seven. So if they got the 10 and seven, that wouldn't be a failure. It would just be not like, at all, you got, right. 
you know, it was miserable the whole way, but you found a way. And anyway, but so, you know, one of the ways that I think there's a chance this team makes the playoffs is if someone just grabs Derek Carr by the back of the head and like shoves him into a locker before every game. Um, because like, like I'm pretty sure that this is a guy who gets very comfortable. And when he feels like everyone's friends and on his side, he doesn't oh, play that. Right, exactly. And here's the thing. I'm, I think Dennis Allen might, might agree with that. Cause this is what he had to say. He was on sports talk, uh, talking to Bobby and this, they were talking about the fight with Eric McCoy. And this, I thought what he had to say was interesting. Coach Allen, everyone talks about, uh, I don't know, maybe um, in the 21st century, they're a little more sensitive as of late to me. It was no big deal. I agree with you hundred percent. Come on, it's football. Uh, the, you know, like uh, you might have arguments with your wife. You have arguments with your teammate. You can't keep it uh, to heart. It's just in the heat of the battle. And you look what occurred between Eric uh, McCoy and Derek Carr. I mean, I, I thought you were right on here. These things uh, or these kinds of things happen on the field. I'm glad that both of them had the balls to stand up and fight. Uh, and then I wouldn't read too much into it. And, and then you just move on. If you look at it, uh, that might have light a fire because uh, Derek Carr all of a sudden has 82 of his 119 passing yards came in the fourth quarter after all that happened. So it's all a, a matter of coming together and y'all fighting for the same goal. But a lot of times when you have incidents like that, I've been part of that on the sideline and on the field. So, I mean, now they got more cameras and everything. But to me... Um, the public uh, tends to make more of a big deal out of that. And I said this in the point after, after the game. I said, all in the after that happened, we scored more and played better. So so why is that a negative? I mean, I look at it and uh, you know, no one is going to pout and, uh, you know, going to hold a, a grudge or their feelings hurt. I think it's football. And a lot of the fans have to understand that, uh, that you're trying to compete at the highest level. And uh, I, my estimation or, or guess that it was probably something to do with the protection. <laughs> it was like, who do you call <laughs> the Mike linebacker or whatever? And then I, I know you're always supposed to block the A cap up the middle. I know that you block inside out. So if I'm Bobby, just guessing, like you've had that experience before. <laughs> yeah, hell yes, I did. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, hey, look, you know. Obviously, you'd rather that not happen because usually when those things happen, they happen out of frustration when things aren't going the way that you want it to go. Uh, but sometimes those types of things kind of light a spark under everybody and, and kind of get everybody fired up a little bit. And I do think we played better after after that. And so, look, it, it's something that it happened uh, in the heat of the battle. You address it, you move on, and here we go. So I don't look too much into it more than that and and i think those guys are going to be just fine yeah and so like it is funny to hear the head coach be like yeah we played better after after eric you know just said you know to stop being a stop being a moron and throw the ball and and probably more something between uh i remember like you i think you asked tyron about maybe you know those halftime yelling matches or whatever happens to fire up the team afterwards maybe that should happen before the game yeah it does feel like that. It feels right. like at times this team is just very passive and they're, you know, and suddenly it's like, just be mean and go out there, go out there and be the bully, you know? Yes. Oh. Uh, and so I guess it takes Eric being bullied to feel like he needs to play like a bully. But, you know, it's, it's funny. Cause you know, I, when we, I, I just want to play 
I, you know what? I'm not even going to play the clip, but I did think it was funny. If you listen to Derek Carr's press conference, I think he's bullying his own children. What's happening? I know. <laughs> Believe me, that grabbed me. My kiddo was just stuttering, studying for a science exam, and I wasn't. I was not booing him while he was doing that. <laughs> no. Anyway, he said something along those lines. It was funny because he was talking about the booing, and he hears it, and um, like you know, he his kids are at these games, right? And it's got to be kind of weird, but sure, not, right? I think he's. I don't know. Like from a from a perspective of how is he handling the the atmosphere. I think he's done a decent job in that. Like, uh, it's not an easy situation to be in when everyone's against you. Um, but I like that's the weird thing. Is I think he plays better when that's happening. So I don't know. That's just kind of something that uh, it'll be interesting to see how that go, plays out over the next. Yeah, few thank weeks. goodness he doesn't shrivel up and like you know cower kind of thing. He rises to the occasion. Uh, that that you can say at least, right? Yeah. So we'll see. Maybe uh, that could change this week. You know, if everyone's like this in the stands. Gabagool. It's, like, it's like, this is my freaking house. That's that's what I want Car to come out like. It's like, i yeah. got to show them that, yeah, the dome is my house. I agree. But all right, let's wrap up this segment. We're going to bring in Pat Trena, and we're going to go through what to expect from the Giants. It's a really interesting team to talk about right now um, in terms of, you know, how good are they? Is it really, you know, are they beating a couple bad teams, but they beat a decent team in the Packers, or at least a team that was on a three-game winning streak just like they are right now. Um, so, you know, what type of team you're going to see coming to the Superdome, that kind of stuff. This is Inside Black and Gold. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller, as always, and we're bringing in Pat Trena, host of Lockdown Giants and lead writer and publisher for GiantsCountry.com, which is part of the Fan Nation Sports Illustrated Network. We're getting ready for Week 15, Giants 5-8, and eight, Saints 6-7. and seven. Not exactly the most thrilling lead-in, but when you look at the NFL, that's basically every NFC matchup these days is 6-7 and seven versus 5-8 and eight versus 7-6. It's not a lot of great teams in the NFL, but the Giants are one of those teams that is playing good football right now, which I think is the determining factor between having fun and not having fun in the NFL. You know, it's Tommy DeVito. It's all of this. But, you know, what has what has the last kind of month been like for for the Giants, Pat? Because it does seem like it's been a wild ride. Yeah, it's it's been a almost like a, a rebirth, if you will. I mean, the Giants season at one point two and eight 
team was left for dead. And then, you know, you have all these injuries, you know, Daniel Jones goes down with an ACL, Tyrod Taylor goes down with a ribcage injury. And now all of a sudden you've got to turn to the third string quarterback who was supposed to be on the practice squad this year. And he comes in and lo and behold, he works some magic and, uh, We've got Tommy DeVito mania going on right now in New York, and it's really been a, an, a great story. It's galvanized the locker room. It's it's absolutely energized the fan base. And here we are. You know, you mentioned uh, before that, you know, not an, exactly an exciting matchup. Well, the Giants are one game out of the wild card race. All right. The Saints, as, as you guys know, they're trying to win the the uh, NFC South. So y- you actually have a game that's worth tuning into. I right. think. And, you know, uh, you mentioned, obviously, the, the big hype has been around uh, the, the resurgence of the offense with uh, DeVito at the helm. But man, oh, man, that big blues defense has been pretty bad. Well, and bad in a good way. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it definitely. Ha- Wink Martindale, you know, the, yeah. the players love him. They love him for his aggressiveness, for putting him in the right position to make plays, for for listening to their feedback. It's like one big happy family. He challenges them. They challenge him. And they are playing lights out. And you can see the confidence building week by week. You've got some guys who are just playing lights out football. Dexter Lawrence, the interior defensive lineman who's Probably, you know, you can make a case for being the best or one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL. Inside linebacker Bobby O'Karake, who was their prized free agent signing in the offseason. He's having a whale of a game uh, of a season, rather. The rookie Deontay Banks at cornerback, their first round draft pick. You know, forget about what pro football focus grades say. This kid's playing lights out and is on his way to etching his name as a number one cornerback. So you're getting high level of play from the defense, not just from individuals. Kayvon Thibodeau, I forgot to mention him. He's playing really well. So you're getting high level of play from this Giants defense. And, you know, suddenly now you have complimentary football, which you really didn't have from the Giants earlier in the season. Somehow with a name like Kayvon Thibodeau, I'm shocked that he's not from Louisiana. (laughs) That sounds like a Louisiana guy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But he's an L.A. guy, so. Um, Yeah, the other L.A. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> you know, the Giants are fascinating. And, and you know, I watched fair share of the Giants games and, you know, the 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 relationship between uh, Brian Dayball and, and Wink is is interesting. And you know, there's been all these stories that they don't like each other. And I, I think, you know, when and you're kind of dealing with some of that in the Saints locker room, too. Right. You had like the center arguing with the head, arguing with the quarterback and everyone's like, oh, no, what's wrong? But I think like a lot of times people lose track of the fact it's like these those guys don't have to be best friends, but the product has to be good. And you can as long as the product works, it doesn't really matter whether they want to hang out on the, you know, on Wednesdays and and get beers. It's like, are they is it is it a good collaboration? And it, it seems like while it did hit its hit the rocky parts there, you know, particularly, you know, that the Bills game was weird where. You know, they, they didn't they had it at the one yard line tw- at the end of the first half and the second half didn't score either time and, and lost the game. They probably should have won. But it does seem like when you're a player's coach and I, I, I we had Jalen Smith here earlier in the season and I asked him about playing for for Brian because you hear about the players love him and it's like, OK, but is that just kind of a reputation thing? But do that. And I asked him straight up and he was like, yeah, I love that guy, which is interesting to me because he doesn't even play there anymore. Um, so, you know, what is kind of your read on that 
situation because I think second year head coach teams regress to some extent, make the playoffs year one, suddenly you're two and eight. How has that kind of uh, developed over this season as you watched it? I think with Brian Dable, the thing he has prioritized is building relationships in the locker room. Because when you build relationships, now you can weather just about any type of storm. Case in point, he has a great relationship with Tyrod Taylor. So you think Tyrod Taylor would have, you know, taken the news that he wasn't getting his starting job back, lying down, you know, the way he did? No, he handled it professionally. Mark Lewinsky's another one, <clears throat> excuse me, at the start of the season, he was benched and he took the news, you know, like a pro. So that comes from, you know, building relationships, being trans, uh, being transparent with guys, you know, not feeding them a line saying, okay, we, I've got an open door to you. You come by anytime you need to talk to me and practicing it. Not that also comes from, you know, not throwing guys under the bus for taking the, the heat, you know, pointing the finger at yourself when things go wrong. So Dable has done all that stuff with the players in the locker room. Now, as far as the coaching staff goes, you know, a player years ago once gave me a really good line, and I absolutely love it. I think it's applicable here. At the end of the day, you want to have as many guys taking the same cab home as opposed to having, you know, 53 guys taking 53 cabs home. Now, like you said, it doesn't mean that you're going to be best friends with people. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to invite them over for a pool party or a beer or pizza or whatever, but there has to be a mutual respect. And I think we could all talk about, you know, people in our business that we come across that we respect the work they do. We might not, you know, necessarily think that they're the type of people we'd want to hang out with, but as long as they, you know, we respect the work that they do and, and we can get along on the professional level, that's really all you can ask for. So Dable and, and Wink, they have two very different personalities, I think. Um, but winning does cure a lot of ailments. And right. Uh, right now they're winning. The defense, you know, has been playing a lot better, as I mentioned. They're not getting blown out of the water like they were earlier in the year. So that has gone a long way, I think, to smoothing over some of the, you know, bruised feelings, if you will, in the, that existed in the coaching staffs. I do, I do wonder. So, you know, obviously they've won three games in a row. Not all three game winning streaks are created equally, right? You know, you look at the Patriots, they should have beat the Jets. It should be uh, four games when you look at it. They should have beaten the Jets. They should have beaten, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, they beat the Patriots, you know, one of probably the second worst team behind the Panthers. They beat the Commanders, who are not exactly, you know, a dynamo. And then this win over the pa Packers, I feel like that's the win where you look at it and you're like, okay. This is yeah. something you can build on. But how real do you think this winning streak is in terms of have they turned it around or is it at least in part the competition that you're looking at? I think that's a fair question. But, you know, at the end of the day, to use a, a, a cliche, the guys on the other side of the ball get paid as well. Yes, they do. And, you know, people talk about, oh, teams should tank. You know, the Giants should tank. The Patriots should tank. This team should tank. We've heard I it too. Think, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you're going to find very many people – who actually play on those teams that agree with the concept of, of tanking. Amen. I know fans like that because it means a higher draft pick, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a stud in the draft. It increases your chances. Yes, but it doesn't guarantee you anything. So, you know, the Patriots, you still had to beat Bill Belichick. All right. His defenses are known for creating confusion for young quarterbacks. And that was one of my key storylines going into that game I wondered how Tommy DeVito would fare against, you know, the the different disguises and 
funky things that Belichick's defenses are known to, to present. You know, Washington, you know, the Giants have had Washington's number for for the longest time now. You know, it's the one saving grace in the NFC East for the Giants because they have yet to figure out how to, you know, decipher the the puzzle that is Philadelphia and Dallas. So, you know, but I, I think, you know, on the to answer your original question, you can look at the competition and, and say that maybe that was part of it. But at the end of the day, those guys on the other side of the ball, they have pride and, you know, they're not going to lay down, I, I think, and just say, OK, Giants, do whatever you want to us. I, I, I just don't see that. Uh, obviously, we, the veto has been the talk of the town, like we've been saying. Uh, but I still think that the guy that stirs the strength for this offense has to be running back Saquon Barkley, right? Yeah, Saquon's been really good. He missed a few games earlier in the year because of a high uh, high ankle sprain that he had. He's come back and he's basically carried the load. And what I like about what he's doing is basically the coaches are using him the way that we have been seeing, you know, in the spring and the summer. You know, they with, with more passing routes, wheel routes, and all that stuff. We know that they well got too. away from that, you know, for whatever the reason earlier in the year, and and then they've gone back to it to kind of help Devito. You know, take some of the onus off of him, and I and, and I sit here and I say to myself, where was this stuff last year? Where was this stuff? You know, earlier in the year. Um, so you're finally seeing that now. Saquon, you know, he's he's perfectly, you know, he has embraced the role of, of being the the bell cow, if you will, right. and you know he's he's held up pretty well. So he is an important part of this offense, and it's fair to wonder, you know, would they have the success that they're having without him in the lineup? Um, you know, so uh, one thing that is interesting about this Giants team and you look at it and it's the Giants and the Vikings blitz the most in football, right? The the Vikings blitz like 47% of the time. The Giants blitz 41% of the time, something like that. Is that, you know, and, and it, it does feel like, you know, there is a calling card for certain defenses. And with Wink, it is you're going to create pressure. You're going to make the quarterback have to adjust and work on the fly. I think Derek Carr kind of said that, he, he compared it to Bill Belichick in the sense that when you're by the end of the game against Bill Belichick defense, you're just mentally exhausted because you're constantly seeing different looks. And he, he compared that to Wink and said the same thing. I think he was with Baltimore for a long time. I know Carr played uh, with the Raiders against Baltimore. Is that kind of what when, when you're when you're looking at this this Giants defense, is that kind of the uh, what you have to navigate the most in terms of how do you beat this Giants defense? Well, if you allow the pressure to dictate how the game goes they have a much better chance yeah i mean wink martindale has always said that their number one objective is to make the quarterback uncomfortable in the pocket you know sacks are great if you could get a sack on every play wonderful but how many teams can actually do that not not a whole lot i mean certainly not in the the time i've covered the nfl so quarterback pressures hits you know, forcing early throws, all those go factor into the press, the pressure package. And when you evaluate the success rate that the Giants have had with their blitz packages, how what percentage are they creating hurried throws, forced throws, um, hits, the sacks? You just add that all together. They've had a fairly good uh, ratio in, in that regard. And that's what Wink looks for. And he, you're right. He does it through a variety of different looks and trickery and whatnot. And uh, it just seems, you know, especially with the younger quarterbacks who maybe haven't seen some of these uh, exotic looks, Wink just likes to, you know, throw one in there just to kind of see if you're, you know, asleep at the switch. 
Uh, special teams uh, always seems to be a factor, uh, especially in these. T- I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it's wild that uh, the Saints are giving six points uh, heading into this matchup. But I know there were some issues at place kicker with the Giants. But since making the switch, things have been pretty good, right? Uh, special teams on the whole, not real. Eh. I mean, happy, right, happy, happy. Um, <laughs> the Giants, of course, have had they had Graham Gano, their kicker. He is on IR with a knee injury. Um, they signed Randy Bullock, who was actually with the team, I think, in, in 2016, I think it was, or 15. He came in after, I think it was uh, the Josh Brown fiasco. Oh, but wow, uh, yeah. Randy Bullock, yeah, Randy Bullock came in. He missed one last week, uh, okay. a chip shot that he probably should have made. Yeah. But really, you know, you talk about special teams. The Giants' special teams have been, to me, the most inconsistent unit on this team. You know, you see things like they don't have enough guys on the field or they have too many guys on the field or guys aren't maintaining lane integrity or they're committing stupid penalties or they're missing tackles. They're not making big plays. You know, last week they they had a, a, a muff punt. I think that was the first big play they've made in, I want to say, in a couple of years. So special teams has kind of been up and down for the Giants and you know, I'd have to go back and, and confirm this and look, but you could probably make a case and say that there's been a few games over the last two years that special teams, because they fell short, have cost the team a chance at, at maybe winning. I do find Randy Bullock to be kind of a funny, you know, solution for the Giants, only because if you go back to week one of last year, it was Randy Bullock who missed the kick for the Titans that allowed them to kind of get off on the right foot and win that game. And uh, I've I've never been a big Randy Bullock fan. He's it seems like he's played for every team in the NFL, and he's always like the last option that everyone goes to. He can make kicks, but it's like I I don't think anyone when he ran out there for that game when it was like oh we got this you know it was it was like anyway I'm not not a, trying to be a Randy Bullock hater. Um, <laughs> like it yeah I'm just not a fan not a fan. Um, Anyway, so, you know, one of the things, the Packers game, one of the fascinating things from that game was that the Giants didn't allow a sack. And, like, mm. I think normally you'd be like, yeah, whatever. It's just, you know, the, but I think the Giants lead the NFL in sacks allowed. I think it's something like 70 sacks allowed on the season, which is an insane number, which, because, like, the Saints' offensive line isn't particularly impressive. I think they're, like, 28 or something like that. And so what what changed in that game relative to what you've seen this season um, other than, you know, obviously Tommy DeVito, Tommy Cutlets, he can move around a little bit, but so can Daniel Jones. It's not like you you went from a immobile quarterback to a mobile guy. Tyrod Taylor is mobile as well. He's still getting sacked. So what was the difference for them in that game compared to what's happened all year? Well, I, first off, I think some of the sacks that have been charged to the offensive line are not really on them. Tommy okay. DeVito, you know, coming in and even Daniel Jones to an, to an extent, Sometimes they're guilty of holding the ball a little too long. I mean, when you look at their average time to throw on pro football focus and you see that number is above 2.8, uh, 2.5 rather, that's holding on to the ball a little too long. So that comes down to processing. And the key, I think, for, for any quarterback to, to, be, to avoid being sacked, in addition to having some mobility and being able to slide around in the pocket, is you have to process what you are seeing really quickly. So that was a problem for Daniel Jones. I still don't think he processes as quickly as he needs to at this stage in the career. Now with Tommy DeVito, that was a problem early on. Last week against the Packers, they simplified things a little bit. I think they they went one or two reads tops. They didn't ask him to go to a third or fourth read. 
they were getting the ball out of his hand quicker. And when you are able to do that, get rid of the ball quicker under in under 2.5 seconds, you are probably going to avoid being sacked. And, you know, this is the same offensive line combination now they've had for several weeks. It's not an all-star combination. Andrew Thomas is really your only true stud on that line. Mm -hmm. And he's banged up uh, with that knee issue. That being said, you help your offensive lineman out by getting rid of the ball quicker, by processing quicker and making quicker decisions. And I think that was a big difference in DeVito's game last week as opposed to maybe what we saw in the first couple of games. I know that uh, Darren Waller is, you know, a question mark for this game. He's being, you know, activated off of IR. You think there's a chance that he'd be able to suit up and play or too, too soon for him? I'm thinking it might be too soon for him. I, I, I mean, look, I'd love to see him in there. Sure. But I, you know, I, and I wrote this, um, I'm surprised that they're, that they opened his window on Thursday as opposed to not earlier in the week. Um, earlier in the week, Brian Dable, when asked about Waller, kind of implied that he wasn't ready yet, that he was getting okay. close, but he wasn't quite there. So I'm thinking maybe Waller, I believe he was limited in, in Thursday's practice, his first practice. Yeah. But I'm thinking he's going to maybe need another week before he's ready. So I would say probably by next week we should see him. But, you know, we'll see how he, how he does Thursday, we'll see how he does, uh, you know, Friday and during the walkthrough. But uh, I'd be surprised if we see him this week. Yeah, my my guess on the timing of it, because it was weird. Typically, you'd see some, if they were going to bring him back be on Wednesday. I think it's because they played on Monday. So they could didn't be. actually have a practice on Wednesday. It was like the estimated injury yeah. report or whatever. Yeah, yeah that, that, that would be my guess in terms of why it happened. Yeah. Um, my, my only other question, and it's only because, you know, this is a Giants team that I would say doesn't have a true wide receiver one right now you know they tried to get it in kenny galladay and that was a unmitigated <laughs> disaster um and now you're looking at you know a, an interesting wide receiver core but not one that i think many people around the league would say oh yeah that's that guy's a stud that guy's a stud but who out of that group and i and i think i have an idea of what you're going to say but who out of that group would you say it's like if you're a saints fan at the end of this game you'd be like i hate that guy you know he just keeps making plays <laughs> Well, I mean, Wandale Robinson has come on. Good for him. Yeah. He, he had the, uh, you know, the ACL last year. Yep. Absolutely devastated him. And he's been coming on and he's been working hard. And, you know, he's getting into a groove. Um, Jalen Hyatt, their draft pick, third round draft pick. He's a guy you need to look out for. I mean, Jalen Hyatt, I, I've spoken to him numerous times and he keeps telling me, I want to show that I could be so much more than just a stretch the field type of guy. I want to be able to run everything. You know, he's still get acclimating obviously to the NFL, to the different routes and, and uh, you know, different assignments and whatnot, but he's coming along. So he's a guy that they, that I know they like, um, you know, Paris Campbell fate kind of faded from the, the, the landscape. They were, I, I never understood what their plan was for Paris Campbell. And now he's dealing with that knee injury, um, he's got speed, and I think he could be a good receiver, but he just never really fit in here. Isaiah Hodgins kind of, you know, drifted out of the scene after, you know, coming on so strong midpoint last year. And then you've got the veteran Sterling Shepard, who is still, you know, he can still get open and he still plays fearlessly, but he's kind of at the back end of his career. So I would say the two guys to keep an eye on from the Giants receiver core, obviously uh, Jalen Hyatt and Wondell Robinson. Those two are going to be part of the future of this receiving core moving forward. 
And then I, yeah, forgot, I left out Darius Slayton. I can't forget about Slayton, but he's been you know, around Slayton, forever, right? <laughs> yeah, he's been around, but you know, Slayton is kind of uh, I don't know if I would necessarily put him in, in contention for a number one receiver spot. Yeah, Wandale is fa- like a fascinating guy because he's so small, and it's like, well, how do they use him? And I try to like he kind of reminds me of like a Percy Harvin where it's like you just get the ball in his hands and let him do what he does. Because uh, I know he had that big – he had a big game against the Packers. I think he was probably one of the bigger reasons they won that game, particularly mm. that lot, that last catch down the sideline. Has he – you know, have they kind of figured out how to use him in terms of – like I don't know if at the beginning of the season they really had a plan, but it seems like the last few – the last month or so they've kind of just had – they've figured him out a little bit. Yeah, I think in the beginning of the season, you remember he was coming off the ACL right. injury. And he was basically on pup the entire summer. So he, they had to get him back in. They had to get him up to speed, acclimated. You know, he had to build, in, build up confidence playing on that knee. And that took some time. So now I think what you're seeing is, you know, he's playing at a higher level. The confidence is sky high. And, and to your point, yeah, I think they always knew how they wanted to deploy him. And they're finally getting around to doing that. You know, you, you, Wandale is is kind of like um, uh, I hate to use this term because I hate the term, but a human joystick. You know, you can have them run jet sweeps. You can have them yeah. run out of the backfield. You can send them wide. You can send them on slants. I mean, you can do so much with him, and he's a good yard after the catch guy. And his separation. I mean, he's averaging I think over three yards separation according to NFL Next Gen stats. When was the last time a Giants receiver averaged that kind of separation? I can't remember it. Probably Odell. You'd have to go back to Odell probably, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah anything else, Steve? Uh, no, definitely looking forward to this matchup. Unfortunately, I think there's going to be a lot of more uh, blue in this stadium again. We've dealt with uh, Honolulu blue, Process blue, and now Big Blue from the G-Men coming in. I, I know the New York fans travel well. Yeah, and this is a, this is one of the sweet trips on the schedule. I right, mean, New exactly. Orleans. Everyone looks forward what's to not it. to love about New Orleans? It's a great <laughs> city, great food, great atmosphere. Uh, the people are fantastic. But I will say this: the Caesar's Superdome has been a somewhat something of a house of horrors for the Giants in recent years. I looked this up since that building opened. I think the Giants are five and eight playing in the Superdome. And they've had some weird things happen. Remember the game? 50, it was like 52 to 49. Oh, yeah. And the Giants lost that game. That was, a wild game. That, was that was back with yeah. the Eli Manning era. I want to say about 2014 or something like that. So weird things tend to happen to, for the Giants in the Superdome, which I, you know, kind of affectionately refer to as the House of Horrors. Because, <laughs> right, right. like I said, funky things happen down there. Well, it was funky last time with that fourth quarter 11-point comeback. That Saints yeah. fans are still reeling from that. Yeah, exactly. That game, I will never forget that game. Uh, that, I think it was 2015. And I remember Eli had six touchdowns oh. and Drew yep. had seven. And mm-hmm. it was like the names that caught touchdowns. Like, obviously, Odell was there. But then it's like, I think Dwayne Harris had two touchdowns. Like, guys that you've Everybody never Everybody was catching. It was like, you get a touchdown. You get a touchdown. Yeah, you get a touchdown. Right. <laughs> it was insane. And I also will never forget the Brad Wing face mask. Because <laughs> uh, he's, he's he was an LSU guy. Everyone's like, ah, thanks, Brad. You had yeah. one last gift to Louisiana. But, but like, like I said, the, uh, the, the house of horrors, funky things happen when the yeah. Giants play in that Superdome building. I don't know why, but y- there's a history. Gotcha. Well, yeah, if nothing else, we'll have a good time, but all right. Yeah, let's get, let's get weird on Sunday. <laughs> let's there you go. Get, 
weird. <laughs> Pat Trana, host of Lockdown Giants, lead writer, publisher of GiantsCountry.com, part of the Fan Nation Sports Illustrated Network. Thanks so much for the time. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a good one. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks again, Pat Trana, for coming on. She's great. Um, I know she's covered the Giants forever. She's covered the Giants since long before I moved away from Giants country um, for, for basically everybody. So it was fun. It was a fun talk. And I think she got to a lot of interesting points there. You know, uh, I again, you know, when I asked her about the receivers, I had a feeling the first name out of her mouth is going to be Wandale Robinson because he's going to be a guy that drives Saints fans insane on Sunday because the Saints – want to lock up man-to-man on the outside. They want to get physical. They want to jam guys. But he's just not going to give them that opportunity, right? He's going to be running, catching screens, doing a lot behind the line of scrimmage, and then all of a sudden he's going to catch the ball in space with no one around him. You're going to be like, son of a bitch! Ah, right. <laughs> like, he's going to be a guy that drives you nuts. But past that, like, they don't have any real scary traditional wide receivers. And, you know, like, uh, I know we're, we're going to talk a little bit about what Deuce had to say on the show this week um, in terms of stopping the run. But it's like, at the end of the day, I think if you can stop the run and force Tommy DeVito to beat you, right? The NFC player of the week, who probably didn't deserve to be the NFC player of the week, let's be real. But he may, got that award because he ran the ball for 70 yards, not because he threw for 122 and didn't make any mistakes. Yeah, that's, man, and that's scary, obviously. That's what I'm worried about. And so if you can, if you can't bottle up Saquon, if you can't stop him from running, he's going to be another one of those one read and out guys that Cam Jordan hates so much. Like, that's the answer. But, you know, it, it, I think it's funny. Like, you look at these two teams, and it's the expectation versus reality thing, right? Like, you're talking at a team that started 2-8, and eight and suddenly it's like, you know, house money, I guess. And they're, they're actively sure, running right. their draft pick every week. Like, they're, they own their first-round pick they're actively ruining it and the fans are still having a good time. You know, so I just think it's kind of funny and they really don't have a good chance to get to the playoffs because they're in a division with the Cowboys and the Eagles and they've already played the Cowboys twice, got their shit rocked twice. And now they, they got to go play the Eagles twice again. Whereas the saints are like right there and, and everyone's mad about it. Now, that's a great point you bring up right there is like, you're like you said, the team is definitely ruining their active draft positioning, but guess what? They, they've got a quarterback now that everybody's latched onto there. And it suddenly is like the, you know, Mr. I, I don't even know what you, you, you want to elevate him. This story is, is definitely a huge feel good story. A local dude. It's kind of, I love how, you know, the Cajun cannon, Bobby a bear equates it obviously similar to similar to him, a guy that grew up in Louisiana and got to play for the saints kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, just a really uh, amazing story for DeVito. Just uh, hoping he gets whacked in the dome on Sunday, though. I saw a post on Saints Reddit that was like, well, so Tommy DeVito is like the the quintessential New Jersey guy, right? The Paisan. Hey, and they were like, well, who would that be for, for the Saints? And I was like, what are you talking about? We already know who that would be for the Saints because we've seen it happen. He's still here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's such a strange question. <laughs> like, it's obviously Bobby, right? Like, I mean, who else would it be? Um, anyway, I just thought that yeah, was and I funny. Yeah, I know fans are obviously dreaming of Jaden Daniels in the draft, but he's not even a local dude. No, he's, he's a West Coast guy. Right. right. Uh, anyway, but all right, let's wrap up this segment. We're going to come back. We're going to hear. I do want to hear from Deuce in terms of, like, what his keys are for this game. Uh, we're going to talk a bit more about, you know, the the blitzes and all that. And we're going to get into some X factors. Again, thanks to Pat Trainer for coming on. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. If you haven't subscribed yet, why not? Go ahead. Do it. It's our 100th episode this season, which is just stupid. Like, why is how, how have we possibly done 100 episodes this season? 
It's gross to think about. What have we said all of these times? I never have anything to say, yet somehow we've done this a hundred times. You've been a huge Dennis Allen slash Derek Carr stand this entire time. My back hurts from carrying all this water all these times. Man. All right. Uh, Stick around, y'all. We'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I am Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. One final segment here. We're going to break down a few things about this upcoming matchup, pick some X factors, all that stuff. But the the first thing I did want to talk about, which I think is interesting, and I think is, you know, when you watch a game and you're like, man, how how does the quarterback only throw for 37 yards in the first three and a half quarters? And, you know, it's interesting because you look around the NFL and one thing that you'll see is a lot of shell defenses is a lot of, and, and the funny thing is like, you see that you, you, you know, you watch it on TV and you can't really see it because the safeties are out of the frame. But when you, when you go back and you watch the all 22, you're just like, well, why aren't there any deep shots in the NFL anymore? And it's because a lot of teams have adopted the philosophy of we're just going to keep two safeties hella deep. And we're going to say, good luck. Con- executing over the middle 15 times a drive. Because eventually either you'll get frustrated and throw it into our safeties or you will make a mistake. You'll give up a sack. You'll get behind the chains. There'll be a penalty. And then we win. And it's kind of crazy, but it's like it's working. And you look around the NFL, it's not a good, a lot of, a lot of good offense going around. Like, you know, like the Saints, I'm not saying this is an excuse for 37 yards, but I'm just saying like the Saints aren't alone in that in that there's just a lot of really kind of questionable offense because it goes in waves and like the offense now has to adjust. And I don't know if a lot of teams have done that particularly well. And I did think that, that Derek's question and answers on these was interesting. So let's hear him. Talking about like some of these like shell defenses and taking the, the deep ball away. Does, should he change that for you a little bit? Like can he outrun the coverage, I guess? Or? Yeah, he can. And he has a yeah. couple of times this year. Yeah. Um, there was a, I can think of two posts that we hit. Uh, that were uh, quarters looks, you know, shell looks where, you know, when teams play us, some teams play low quarters, but when Rashid's out there, that safety's usually a little bit deeper. You know, he's more apt to let you have that. And there's been a couple times where Rashid has outran that. So it does change some things uh, where, you know, maybe there is a single high safety trying to take that ball away. But if he gets too nosy with a guy like that, you can throw it over the head. I remember that we had one, to Henry Ruggs, just a guy with that speed. They were playing single high defense that we're playing in Pittsburgh. Single high safety didn't get deep enough, and you can still throw that ball over over their head. So um, it's not something that ment- it, mentally you make a living doing, but when you have a guy like that, you have to train your mind again. Like, hey, if we get that look as a quarterback, I'm not just so quick to get through that. How much of that is, you know, kind of a modern thing in the NFL where it seems more and more teams are doing that like, okay, take away the deep ball force teams that have to go 10-plus plays. Yeah. Has, has that been just a change you've noticed throughout your 
Yes, and I, one, one thing I've noticed is things go in cycles. Things go in waves, you know, because once that happens, you know, there's going to be an uptick in whatever, you know, call, call it whatever, tight ends across the middle, you know, and as soon as you want to take that away, okay, now those are back. And as soon as they do this, then this is back. The run game will be more than, or nope, the pass game's more. And so um, one thing I have noticed is things do go in waves because whatever's working, people usually draft that way. They go in free agency that way, and then it goes for a cycle, and they see something new, and then they do that. And so um, that, that is one of those things, right? You know, it was easier to get, you know, shots off earlier in your in my career, uh, about 10, you know, eight years ago in certain ways. Now you, you can do it. You just have to be smart about it and do it in different ways. And so uh, finding those matchups, finding those one-on-ones, uh, it's it's a challenge mentally, but the, that's why these professional coaches, man, they keep evolving, you know, offensively and defensively. They keep stopping one another. It's really cool. Of course, just of course you be more patient, I guess, when you're going through it because you want to be going attacking deep. And just, it's just not the right read. 100%, you know, and, you know, we – Every quarterback, you know, we're not going to make 100% right reads in every game. You know, we, it just doesn't happen, you know. But, you know, you try your best to be patient through those times and try not to force it. You know, even last week is a great example. You know, they were doing some good things, staying on top. I mean, shoot, we threw, you know, uh, Chris a, a curl, and the corner was 30 yards deep, you know. And so uh, we, you, you wait and you wait and you wait, then we get our chance and we hit our shot to AT. And so there is a, a bit of a waiting game sometimes. Um, but other teams, you know, if you know they think you're going to run it, then you can get those things early. So it just, it, it's so different every game. I wish I could just give you one answer, but it's, it does change. Does Derek cut the sleeves off of every gear he get, or does the equipment staff give it to him that way? That's a good question. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I've always wondered that question about like Vin Diesel. Um, like, do, does he buy shirts without sleeves? Or it's like, what happens to all the sleeves? Do the sleeves just get thrown away? Where do they go? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. It's a question as old as time. Um, but no, I do think like when I, I think that's part of the frustration in terms of why isn't the offense as dynamic as you feel like it could be is teams are taking that away and saying, you need to be able to run the ball. Like if you can run the ball, you can beat us. If you can execute over the middle of the field, you can beat us. And you know, it's funny. Cause like you look at it and you say, well, why aren't they these big plays? And then you look at it and like, well, except the saints have you know, have some of the biggest, like in terms of big plays, in terms of 40 plus yard plays, they're second in the NFL. Right. And it's just like, they don't exist in the NFL anymore. And cause so many teams are taking them away. Is uh, Miami number one, just curious. Always number one these days. Like that's yeah. But, but not by as much as you'd think. Okay. Um, and then that's teams have kind of caught up to them a little bit. Cause I think their offense has, has, you know, uh, bogged down a little bit in the last couple. I of just weeks. immediately think of Tyreek. Obviously, that's why I was like, they've got to be leading the big plays. Well, that's what I was going to say, and so what, well, that's why Rashid, and, and that's kind of this was a long yes. way to get into <laughs> getting Rashid back. I think is a major element in what makes this offense go, and because not every team plays that way, but in a game against the Panthers, where they have this scheme where it's like, no, you you need an elite speed guy to get on top of that defense. You're not going to get on top with the you know just kind of these very good wide receivers who can you know it's like no you need to really force them to 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 adjust their scheme and and so i think getting him back this week and hopefully going forward should help open things up you know the giants are a different type of defense obviously it's not it's not something you look at and you say well they're going to sit in a shell no they're going to blitz and they're going to force you to get the ball out hot 
And so I don't even know if Rashid this week is going to be the biggest impact. But when you look at the games the Saints have struggled in, like the Panthers on offense, I think not having a speed guy was very limiting in that way. So, you know, and again, I just I think it's it's funny because one of the reasons like if you don't see it on TV, you don't see those two safeties just backpedaling right off the snap and getting getting distance. And then it's like, well, what are you going to do? You're going to throw it to him? It's like, no, you got to go underneath. And it's like, I think people were like, well, why isn't he being more aggressive? And it's like, well, because you don't want to throw interceptions. That's not better. So I don't know. I think the issues for the Saints is not necessarily being aggressive over the top. It's not being as efficient as they need to be over the middle of the field. Yeah, the the huge thing for me, obviously, with the the, the initial injury report came out is seeing, you know, Rashid limited and Taysom being limited. And hopefully both of them are able to be in this offensive mix come Sunday because uh, you know, that, that that's huge, but obviously the, the big concern is Olave with dealing with an ankle and we'll, we'll find out more obviously in the, the coming days, but uh, I just wonder about him and hopefully, you know, he's going to be good to go too. to, to have those offensive pieces in place is going to be key to make this final push down the stretch, obviously too. Yeah. I would be surprised if, if, if Chris and Rashid don't go, because I don't think you saw it like Olave, He's dealing with an ankle injury, but it wasn't one that really seemed to affect him during the game. Like I didn't, I don't remember seeing at any point thinking like, oh, he's clearly slowed by something. He's limping right. or whatever. Like I talked to him coming off the field. He seemed fine. He, obviously he's dealing with the flu, but um, at least you so avoided I, that. I guess it's more of a maintenance thing uh, at this point in the season, but we'll see, right? Well, we'll see. And Rashid makes it sounded like there's no question in his mind that he's going to play. So that's good. Taysom is a little more up in the air. You know, and Rashid, you know, the thing with Rashid is when you're dealing with soft tissue sh- stuff and you are an elite speed guy, it becomes a little like that's, you know, if it was Mike Thomas and that's probably a bad example. But I mean, like if it's if it's Jawan Johnson, right, where your separation isn't your whole game, it's more about being a big body. And like, I think you could probably work through some stuff. But like if Rashid can't go at that top gear, then he's a different player. Um, So I think that's interesting. But. Switching sides of the ball, I did want to hear from Deuce McAllister, just kind of going through what he thinks is important on, on the in terms of the Giants and how the Saints are playing the Giants, and uh, that's what he had to say. Cannot let Saquon Barkley all of a sudden do what he's done in the past against us. Like, if you look in the last meeting at 126 yards of scrimmage, I, was, I still remember that game. I was so frustrated. We winning by 11 points with eight, eight minutes, and we lost. Should never. I go, how in the hell did that happen? Dude, you remember that game? I was like, are you yeah, kidding me? You remember the you remember the go route that he had and you know, you never thought that they would throw it to yeah. him. He's just running the go route and he catches it. So yeah, I remember it very, very well. And you know, for me, Bobby, it starts with stopping the run. I mean, they've done a good job of managing Tommy and, and making sure that he's not in too many stressful situations. Now the one thing he he, he will do that we've seen hurt the Saints is run. And you're going to see some RPO. You're going to see him be able to run QB bash where he's just running it. He's going to pull it. He's going to read the defensive end. And if we're not in position, he's going to run it. And then he will run it as far as scrambling. But um, it starts really with Saquon. I mean, because if you can get them behind the chains where they have to pass the ball and they can't lean on that run game, then that, that that's not what they want to do. I mean, it, that, that's really not what they want to do. They want to be able to play action, do a little bit of RPO, and try to keep the game simple as possible for him. 
Yeah, and I agree with that completely, right? Like, it, like rookies are only going to play well until you force them to play like a rookie. And it, the the when you're when you're leaning on a guy like that, every offensive decision will be geared around okay, how can we make life easier on Tommy DeVito? And the Saints need to find ways to make life more difficult on Tommy DeVito and make him make tough decisions uh, down the field. The funny thing is, you talk about that game in 2021. And it's like, yeah, it's the same Saquon Barkley, but it's like, it's a different offense. You know, it, it, like that that game, you know, was the Joe Judge offense. I couldn't even tell you. Mike Kafka maybe was the offensive coordinator um, <laughs> for the Giants. End. And it's funny because it's just a completely different scheme. Um, but, you know, they're wearing the same jerseys and this is the same Saquon. So, yeah, I mean, he's a guy who can, he's probably the only player on that offense that, keeps you up at night in terms of we have to find a way to stop this guy. And if you can stop this guy, then you give yourself a much better chance to have success. And, and, you know, obviously Darren Waller is an option too. I would be surprised if he plays, but if he does, you have to figure that out. Um, if this is a, you know, I feel like we say this every week, if you can stop the run, you, you can, you can have a good chance to win. I like you say, uh, stop the run, have some fun, as Cam yeah. Jordan always tells us. Uh, the that game in the dome was so uh, awkward. Obviously, you know, you mentioned the last Giants appearance there, and just for the Saints to cough up that eleven point lead in the fourth quarter, I I thought I did not think that would be the outcome there, and it was that 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 hurt a lot, and it was a huge. Uh, deal at the end of the season for not making the playoffs, obviously, too. And we don't need a, a repeat of that this time around because, yeah, we we know right now every everyone is a must win, you want to call it. But I feel like that's that's kind of a cliche, too, because everything in the NFL is is must win because it is not – there are limited games in this season. Just sure we got 17, but that's still uh, a limited amount compared to uh, the other sports leagues. Yeah, that was also the first game back in the Dome post-Ida. Right. So it was like there's all this kind of like positive energy in the stadium, and then they completely um, ended it. Yeah. I was a, you know, it's funny. You know, it, it's funny because everyone's mad at Dennis Allen in terms of like, this is all bad since Dennis Allen took over. But like a lot of it started in that 2021 season, but no one ever talks about that 2021 season. Even though, like a lot of things went badly, I think it's probably the Jameis injury that makes you kind of for, kind of forget about it. In terms of a lot of the same issues that you're looking at, in terms of ineffective offense and and blown leads and this and that, you know, started that year. And it does feel like you know we're only in year two of Dennis Allen, but I feel like that that season kind of gets lumped into it, even though he wasn't the head coach. Um, but like that, to me, that's the same storyline of like. It, you go back and like they it's it's all post breeze it's not really the dennis allen era it's it's the post breeze era that has been very disappointing for the saints and you just have not found an answer at quarterback and and i include Derek carr in that right like he's just not has not been the answer this offense has continued to look just like it looked you know, like it was, it, it looked fine with Jameis when it when they were starting out there, but it was a very limited offense. It looked bad with Trevor Simeon. It looked okay. It looked like an offense that could win games, not necessarily a good offense, but like you pared it down to basically nothing when you had Taysom in there, and it was like okay. He came back the next season, and it just has not looked good since. 
Um, and I think that's like a big source of the frustration for me is like, guys, 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 figure something out. Figure something out. The, the good uh, thing, I'm, I'm looking at the game last time too, speaking about that Giants game. At least Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony aren't there because they toasted the Saints. And John Ross with 77 yards and a touchdown in that game too. It's just ugly all around. Galladay? Galladay had six catches, 116 yards against the Saints. Did he really? Yeah, and Tony, another six. I remember Tony. I remember Tony. I mean, I I didn't know Kenny Galladay had 100 yards in his entire Giants career. Against the Saints, yes. (laughs) I mean, that must have been his best game. (laughs) Jeez. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, in 2022, he didn't have – he's not even playing anywhere right now. He didn't have a game with more than 30 yards. In 2021, yeah. Wow, you're right. Six catches, 116 yards in his entire Giants career. Otherwise, his 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 uh, high total receiving was 64 yards against the against the Falcons, and then he did it against the Broncos. That's crazy, man. Kenny Galladay, you know they paid him a shitload of money. They paid uh, Danny Jones a bunch of money too. <laughs> yeah, but at least at least Daniel had like he he led into the playoffs last year and like was improving. <laughs> Like Kenny, they signed as a free agent and literally did nothing except for apparently have one good game against the Saints. That's why he was signed for that game. That's so funny. I didn't even realize that. You know, that, that probably doubled his like career total for yardage. Anyway, he did have one really nice block in the playoff went over the over the Vikings. Yay. That's what he Yeah, that's what that's what the investment was for. Anyway, okay. Let's see, let's do X Factors and then get out of here. Steve. Yes. Steve, X Factors on defense go. Defense, I'm looking at that D-line. I, uh, I think I constantly focus on that every every week for the Saints. And uh, kind of excited about Cam Jordan had a tackle for loss in three of his past four games against the Giants. So let's see that happen again. I need to see, um, obviously, pressure on the QB. Uh, stopping the run, though, is going to be crucial, too. So a lot of it is on the D-line once again, but I'm looking at you, Cam, to continue your your tackle for loss streak against this team in three of the past four games. Uh, let's dial it up for Cam Jordan on defense this week. See, I'm looking at I'm looking at Zach Bond. I want to see them continue to dial up the Zach Bond third down pressure package because it's like I've been waiting. I've They've been discovered waiting. Something. Oh my goodness. No, they just finally started doing what was always the obvious thing. And that's what's annoying about it is like why it's like the Jimmy Graham thing and the Zach Bond thing. It was like, this is what we all knew these guys were good at. Thanks for finally doing it. Um, And so, yeah, I I think that's been a really positive development. And I wouldn't mind, you know, here's the thing. I said earlier this season multiple times, I think you need to start paring down Cam Jordan's third, third down snaps. I think he's a good early downs player. He's still a good rundowns player, but in terms of the pass rush, you could be doing better. And I think that's what you've seen the last two weeks on third and long. You Cam's been out there in terms of playing, but he's not out there on third downs. He's not that out there on the pass rush snaps. And I think they've been better because of that. Um, and I just think that's where Cam is in his career. Like he can pay, he can rush the passer, but that is not where his best strengths lie right now, and you have better options on third and long. Not on third and four, but on third and eight, third and ten. Yeah, give me a guy who can be athletic and chase somebody down, and that's what Zach Bond has been, and I think 
finding ways to continue to incorporate him in the pass rush is uh, like, I, I agree. It's the pass rush. You got to do that. And I think if you had been using Zach more in that role earlier in the season, you would have had more success against guys who are extending plays, the Joshua Dobbs types. Right. And so I think that's going to be, I'd like to see him continue to get that because I think when you can, like, that's the third down efficiency thing in a nutshell. Like you got to be able to get that guy down. And it wasn't perfect last week, but it was definitely better. Um, and you were putting pressure on the quarterback um, in ways that I don't think you saw a lot of earlier in the year. So, that's Although, the, like I said, it was the Panthers, and our boy Dez over, you know, covering the Panthers even told us, he's like, oh, the Saints are going to get four sacks, no problem. Yeah, and I was even like, are you sure? We're not, re- we're not really getting there. He had a couple predictions that were spot on, which was like Ooh. the Saints are going to get sacks because everyone gets sacks against the Panthers. And if you score 18 points, you win the game. <laughs> Because the ding, second, because that's the thing. Like when they were at fourteen, it was like this could go badly. This might not work. But then the second they scored that next that, that touchdown to get over fourteen, I think they it was twenty one. It was like game over. It's done. Right. <laughs> like the only way the Panthers win that game is if they found a way to tie it at fourteen and then maybe kick the field goal and won seventeen fourteen. Right? Uh, he was spot on there, so I have to give him credit for that. For um, sure. that anyway. awesome. Yeah, and and like I. One guy that we haven't talked about this week at all, but is definitely worth mentioning is Ike Adam. Like that guy's that guy's gonna make some money next year and is not gonna be with the Saints. Like he's been so good. So good. Ten passes defensed on the season, right? You look at the lists he's on in right. terms of like the cornerback def- coverage grades and passes defensed and you know, like uh completion rate when targeted. It's like that third in the NFL. It's just been so good. And it's good to see. Like, it's cool to see, right? This guy has been kind of like a journeyman. I think he's found a system that works for him, and he's going to go into free agency next year, and there's going to be a team out there that wants to play man-to-man cover corner, uh, and he's going to make – he's going to get a two-, three-year deal, like a legit contract, and it's not going to be from the Saints. <laughs> um, and people are going to get annoyed about it, but at the end of the day, it's just well, like – are going to get out the building, right? Well, I mean, you're going to get a cop pick like that's you're going to he's going to turn into a draft pick. Right. So it's a win in the end for the Saints. But like, uh, here's the thing. If you want to keep Ike Adam, are you going to like you're going to trade Marshawn? Uh, that I mean, that that gets all into then going into draft uh, 2024 draft, because then you. Yeah. If there's going to be some wild package where this team wants to move up to get a quarterback, I think Alvin Marshawn are your, your big ticket names that could be involved. And this is a different conversation for another day, but right, like you exactly. Could, you, you could definitely sell me on the idea that your best path forward is sign Ike Adam, extend Paulson Adebo and Pete Werner. Sure. Trade Marshawn for whatever you're, you know, for, for the assets that like you will get a lot for Marshawn. And it's like, I don't want him to trade Marshawn, but like if you, that's how you keep Ike Adam. If like, you're someone that's like, I want to keep this guy around. It's because you did that. And that would be kind of a passive rebuild. And I think I think there would be some support behind the idea of doing that with, you know, a guy who's and, and it honestly, it's like if that's your path and you're like kind of saying we're kind of passively rebuilding, that would honestly be doing right by Marshawn in terms of like he's a he's a guy who could win right now if he's on the in the right team and the Saints aren't right anyway. That's that's again, that's another conversation for yeah, another day. Obviously any, any, any team's gonna come calling for Marshawn. Uh, everyone wants a top tier corner. Right, you know, man to man defenses want want 
that uh, not everyone runs the same scheme. Like if you're a zone team, you're not looking for March on like he's not a zone corner. Anyway, that's again, I don't know why we're still talking about this. I've said multiple times, Steve, that's another conversation. Stop dragging me back in for another day. I'm sorry for the off season. That's the off season pod. Uh, anyway, <laughs> X factors on offense go. Uh, I'm really looking at Camara again in this matchup, just because of the fact that, there's a lot of uncertainty right now at the other running back position. I, I really don't know who's uh, available other than him. Yeah, Jamal Williams dealing with a groin injury. I think Jamal will be good to go. It doesn't seem significant. Um, but did he tweet? Did he tweet that groin dancing? People keep saying that. I don't know why people keep saying that. He was barely moving. He wasn't dancing. <laughs> Not like he was doing some splits or like. It's unfortunate. Obviously, we we hadn't seen a lot from him this season. It kind of had like a little boost. And then, you know, you get a little bit of good news and eh, you get hit with some bad news with it. I mean, it, it, everyone's dealing with something right now. Like, that's the yeah. thing. Like, landing on the injury report right now is <laughs> a lot different from landing on the injury report in week three. Because, like, every – it's really just, like, okay, I need a, I need a, I need time to – you know, like – and if you're limited in practice you and, and it's due to something, you have to list it, you know? So, and like, I – like What's really scary for this team, too, after this, boom, Thursday night football. Yeah. But that's that's why I think it was helpful to get through that Panthers game without any major additions to the injury report, right? Like, because the two games prior to that, the three games prior to that even, you just kept seeing body after body after body in that injury tent. It didn't even go up once. Yeah, um, yeah you mentioned that, right. So Alave didn't even need the uh, the tent last game. Went the ankle the tent. Issue. Or Z didn't go into the tent, although he did get treated on the field, but he didn't end right. up on the injury report. Right, right. Um, so yeah, but uh, yeah, I know there's a reason you brought in James Robinson. It's because you do have some guys, you know, obviously Kendra's availability is frustratingly not available. Right. And then, and then Jamal is dealing with that groin. So if it does keep him out or limits him in any way, you at least have a body who's played in an NFL game before. Right. Uh, other unless you want to go with Jordan Mims, which is not no shade on Jordan Mims. I wouldn't say he's a guy you is, is a top yield option. Right. But I would right, never so- see it coming. <laughs> it wouldn't that is true uh i think he's just here to be to be like roommates with jay kaner i think it's like because <laughs> they were teammates at fresno state that, right. that, that's why but all right so you, you're going with the running backs i think that's fair um uh again like i think that one-two punch with alvin and jamal just hasn't been there but it was last week and it was nice yeah. to see i I, you know, I look at rashid i think again like, like that's the way i started this segment off with rashid is because yeah. i think he he is the type of player that changes defenses. It forces he forces defenses to play differently. And anytime you have a player that just being on the field forces a defense to adjust, that's a win for the offense. Even if he's not being used, like even just as a clear out, like he can do that in ways that no one else can. I, I also just like A.T. Perry. I like the idea of getting him involved downfield. I'm, I think one of the issues with A.T. Perry is it's already difficult to gain trust of the quarterback as a rookie, right? And when you're like, if the quarterback doesn't trust you, he's not throwing you the ball. He's not looking at you. And, you know, I, I think that's just been a process for A.T. And it was a process that was impacted heavily by you, you, you ran a play and the quarterback threw to a spot you were supposed to be in and you just didn't go there. And like, it's like, I, that's, that's not helpful. 
<laughs> you know, like you got to trust that guy in the moment, you know, and I think that's building. And I thought that that deep ball in that game against the Panthers, I think was a very, you know, like he went and got that. It wasn't a bad throw, but it did require him to go run under it and get it. And he made that catch. You know, there was a play against the Vikings that he had a chance to make a play over the middle of the field. And, you know, he just wasn't secure enough with the ball. It got knocked out. You know, he probably didn't have to leave his feet. I just think those are moments where it's like the if you execute and you and you and you know like the quarterbacks trust you to make that play, then you're going to get that opportunity again. And so I want to see him continue to build on that. But either way, like Rashid is just a dude, and I like him. He's a fun guy. I appreciate him. So definitely happy to have that speed factor back because yeah, not having him was definitely pretty. Yeah, I think it was quite evident last game against the Panthers. You didn't have any threat deep down the field. Yeah, and that's why, like, I, I asked Rashid about this because, you know, it's like Chris Olave is basically the only guy on that offense in terms of a pass catcher that the Panthers had to account for, you know, and that was the case against against the Lions too, like, and he's still making plays. Like, their 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 plan has to be we're going to take him away, and he's still right. able to get open and make plays. And it's like it's like that's just a he's just a different type of of dude like when you're talking about a playmaker a guy who can who can makes things happen and so when you do have weapons around him and he's playing well right now like that's what's frustrating is like i you know i think earlier in the season he was kind of finding his way and he was struggling a little bit now he's playing well but he's the only option and i'd love to see a situation where you do have other options and and they're not able to devote all of their energy to to taking him away uh, and I think that last year in his rookie season and, and was able to power through it. But yeah, you yeah. obviously want to see more of that artillery around him to see what else is capable of. Yeah. And, and just having a guy like Rashid who can, who can take the top off and yes. force his defenses to account <laughs> for him and, and can even, he can even outrun those coverages that are designed to take him away. He's that type of player. Um, so that's my pick, but either way, you know, I, I think a lot of this season is going to come down to this week because if you can win it, and you can keep the positive vibes rolling and you can go out to LA. That's it, it feels like, okay, you got something here. If you can't, I think you're back to square one and they're just going to hear all the negative stuff all over again. Uh, so I just think this team has a lot riding on this game and they got to go out and show up. And it's like, I honestly, I don't even care how it looks. Go win a game. I'm tired no. of this like beauty contest thing. Go win a game. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take whatever. And we got a root for Carolina this week. They're hosting Atlanta. And then uh, what is it? The Bucks are at Green Bay. Um, yeah, I could see the Bucks losing. I'm not I'm not spending an ounce of my time considering that the Panthers might find a way to go win that game. I'm sorry. I'm just not doing it. It's not worth my not worth my energy. <laughs> They're that my, bad. My hopes are high just because this season has been wild. I, I one of the craziest NFL seasons I can remember. And I truly believe any week anything is possible. Who did they beat? <laughs> uh the, the Texans. They beat the Texans. <laughs> I bet after that week, everyone was like, oh, man, the Texans drafted the wrong quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but all right, that's it. It's going to wrap it up for this episode of Inside Black and Gold. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone, who got all the way to the end. It's been a journey. Um, I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller W. WL, we are getting ready for the third consecutive game in the Caesars Superdome. Weird. That and then, like I said, short turnaround. Boom, Thursday, you're in L.A., brother. Sure am. And you can check us out starting at 8 a.m. on Sunday on First Take, the pregame show to the pregame show. I know everyone loves that. 
Uh, it's been a, it's been, a, it's been, a, it's been fun. From the bowels of the dome, when no one else is in there. I wouldn't say the bowels. Kind of, it's the second floor, which so it's kind of like the intestines of the dome. Yeah, it's almost like I feel like Phantom of the Opera kind of thing because there's just no one else around and the echo of us talking. Yeah, it's just us and the people practicing for the anthem and 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 whatnot. Yes. Right? You know, whatever whatever high school marching band is going to be there at halftime. Uh, that's it. Yeah, it's funny when I was uh, I was actually you know when I was standing on the parking lot to come in, I had to wait because the Edna Car marching band was like had just gotten dropped off. And so I was just, there was only one exit to the parking lot that we're in. Right. And it was like, I had to stand there for 10 minutes as the entire marching band like filed through. Yeah, this is a, this is, this is the, this is how the bacon gets made or the sausage. <laughs> right. It's like, uh, excuse me, pardon me. Got to get through. Well, I, I, I kind of just stood there and waited because I was like, I don't want to end. Like they got, they got, they got a whole snake thing going, you know, because they weren't just walking in a group. They were walking in like two by twos because <laughs> that's just what marching bands do. <laughs> they do it. But all right, it's uh, Saints-Giants on Sunday. Everyone keeps asking me who I'm rooting for. It says, I'm rooting for me to have a good time. <laughs> like, that's what I'm rooting for. Uh, I can't, like, like I, I don't root for, you know, I, I was actually annoyed when the Giants, won. people say, like, wow, you're going to be rooting for the Giants? It was like, well, you know, I did wonder in my, my, my brain how that was going to register when the Giants came here in 2021. And I will tell you that I was annoyed as hell that the Saints lost that game. Not even because I cared about the Giants or I cared about the Saints. It's really a pain in the ass when the result seems finished and you kind of get everything prepared as if it's done. And then all of a sudden, it's you had your lines written. Like, that's annoying to me. I don't care that the Giants won. And, and like, a lot of times I'll watch the Giants and root for the Giants. I don't care that the Saints lost in terms of, like, yeah, okay, that sucks, but whatever. Like, I care about me. I am. I am a very selfish person when it comes to my uh, my lifestyle, and <laughs> and that annoyed me personally. So that's who I'm rooting for in this game. I'm rooting for me. I, I laugh too. Folks ask me a lot too when it comes to Eagle stuff with the Saints. And to me, I, I am rooting for the Saints. You know why? The Saints play more games, get into the postseason. That means more money for me. So I'm I'm all yeah. about that. Yeah, and and, and also like it's more fun to cover a team that's winning a little bit. <laughs> and again, like I say this, like my, my work life and ha- having a good time doing what I do for a living is more important to me than, than that, that, that team that I grew up watching. Is that bad? Does no, that not at bad? all. Phantom's just different now that we're old men. Yeah. If I, if I didn't work in the, if I didn't work covering the team, right. I probably have a different answer for you. Like I would be more conflicted. But like, yeah, like this team going to the playoffs means I get to go cover a playoff game. So I'm always going to end up on that end. So don't worry. Don't worry. I'll be right there with you annoyed if the Saints lose. Jeff is cheering more than the fans booing. (laughs) Yeah, there are people in that stadium who are going to be rooting for the Giants, but it won't be me. Right. All right. (laughs) But let's uh, wrap this up. Thanks, everyone, again for listening. This is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, do that. If you haven't, if you're not following us on YouTube, why the hell not? Hey, ring the bell, WWL Sports. Follow us on Twitter at Saints underscore pod. Hit up WWL.com for the latest news, notes, and analysis. Who that? Go Saints. They better be that. Yes, sir. Be y'all. Peace. <laughs>